Hello, and welcome to the Logistics Management Podcast Series. My name is Jeff Berman. I'm Group News Editor for Logistics Management Magazine, as well as the Peerless Media Supply Chain Group. It's a real pleasure today to welcome back Tom Nightingale to our podcast. Tom serves as the CEO of AFS Logistics LLC, a 3PL and freight audit and payment company based in Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, Tom is a real good friend of Logistics Management Magazine from over the years. And uh, prior to joining AFS, he served as president and CEO of International Package Shipping and its operating companies. Tom has also held leadership roles at Genco, which is now FedEx Supply Chain, and as well as Modus Link, Conway, now known as XBO, and also Schneider National. Tom has a master's in business administration from Syracuse University and a bachelor's in marketing slash management from Siena College, and he serves on the board of several organizations, including Syracuse University's Franklin Supply Chain Advisory Board, CSCMP, also known as the Council uh, for Supply Chain Management Professionals, and formerly the Warehouse Education Research Council, and lastly, Women in Trucking. Hey, Tom, welcome back. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be back. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the timing is good to have you back, Tom, just because, as usual, there is a ton going on within supply chain logistics and freight transportation, uh, you know, which has really been a theme now for for more than a little while. Um, And I guess one of the big ticket items uh, in terms of looking at the calendar now that we're uh, into early August is uh, is peak season. And I know peak season is... uh, Fair to say it's been through a few iterations, if you will, over the years, especially uh, stemming from COVID. Uh, but how are we looking in 2022 from where you sit, Tom? Uh, could we expect something a bit a, a bit along the lines of something more normal or traditional? Or are we still sort of in the it's peak season all the time, if you will? I, I think that peak season is still going to be challenging for us this year, even though we are seeing a bit of a softening in the demand side of things. Uh, our recently published Cowan and AFS freight index is still indicating that Q3 is looking robust, uh, despite some of the softening that we've seen from what were admittedly uh, peak and frenzied times that we just came out of. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 absolutely. Um, and, and what about um, now? It, it, just a, an extension of the peak question before we get to our other topics, Tom. Something I just thought of, you know. Given the backup that with the the zero COVID policy in China, and now we're seeing container numbers uh, increase again, especially out at the San Pedro Bay ports of LA and Long Beach, um, how do you view sort of the influx of inbound cargo from China to the States uh, as it relates to peak season? Does that create another real wrench or headache, if you will? It does. It does. Some of the... uh... The numbers of the ships that are waiting um, outside of ports have grown once again, um, partly due to the uh, the lockdown policies that were in place in major manufacturing locations such as China, uh, but also just due to some of the disruptions that have existed uh, within our own borders as well. We've seen some labor slowdowns. Yeah, uh, we've seen some uh, protest issues, for, particularly in Oakland. So there, there have been a number of um, things that have stressed the system and created what I would call incremental lumpiness in this in the system. Okay, yeah, that's a good, that's definitely a good way of putting it. Um, and let, let's um, 
talk a bit more about things on a, sort of a domestic, uh, uh, from a domestic perspective. When we look at rates slash pricing, uh, the capacity outlook, um, a lot of this obviously has been addressed in, in your excellent quarterly report with Cowan and, and Jason Seidel and, and, and his team. Um, one thing that has been standing out to me of late, Tom, is simply uh, the uh, the return really uh, for shippers turning to the contract market as opposed to spot, which obviously, as we all know, was going great guns, especially a year ago at this time. Um, we can touch on that, but let's touch on on all of it, if you will, uh, as far as how you guys are seeing what's happening with right rates slash pricing and capacity. Sure, I'd be happy to. So, you know, if we look at this across modes, um, truckload obviously is one of the largest modes. Did see uh, rates decline in Q2 um, from Q1. Uh, they actually came down by about 5.2 percent quarter over quarter, which. On the surface, you would look at and say, wow, that, that's a really big drop. However, the year-over-year increase was still 14.5 over last year in Q2. So that represents the fact that we still have a robust truckload market. And as we look forward, that truckload market on a rate-per-mile basis, even that's going to slow compared to 21 um, still re- remains robust in 22. Now, as we look at Q3 of 22, uh, the freight index that we published with Cowan shows that we will reach a 26.7% level versus our 2018 base. So that's actually still an increase over Q2, and it's a substantial increase over the 17.1% number that existed in Q3 of last year. So that it's really, it's a 2.4% um, increase over our Q2 levels, which even though things have slowed, that rate and pace has slowed, like we talked about before, it's still robust. It really is, even truckload, uh, where there's been a lot of noise around that. Then if we turn our sights to LTL, um, the mm-hmm. LTL market has has continued its trend um, downward in 2022 in terms of the average weight per shipment. And that is a reflection largely of some of the e-commerce things that have gone on in the LTL market. But despite that downward trend in the weight, the cost per shipment has skyrocketed. Uh, we're actually at a 6.8% quarter over quarter increase from Q2 to Q1. And a lot of that is really being driven by the much higher than expected fuel surcharges. As we look, forward, as we look forward to Q3, um, we're actually still looking at high levels, uh, sustained high levels. We were at a 54.8 compared to our 2018 baseline in mm-hmm. Q2. But in Q3, we're looking at a 54% um, versus a 2018 baseline. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and coupled with the fact that uh, if you look at certain numbers from different sources, um, as you look at capacity, the, the load to truck ratio numbers appear to be going down somewhat, which I mean, it, it, it's not nearly as difficult. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's, it seems like it's not nearly as difficult for shippers to secure capacity compared to uh, 12 to 18 months ago or more, right? That is correct. Yeah, absolutely. We're finding um, more capacity is available in the market. 
Um, and while the prices have softened off of those um, kind of crazy, crazy numbers we had been seeing, they're yeah. still on a year-over-year -year basis very robust. Okay. Yeah. That, so that, that, that's a good thing. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure shippers uh, have been receptive to that. Uh, but one thing that people are, are not receptive to, whether you're a shipper, carrier, or whatever, is uh, our crazy state of inflation um, continuing to uh, hit record numbers, it seems, by the month. Uh, uh, languishing right now, or the last reading, I believe, was in the high 8%, low 9s for um, uh, annual gain. Um, how, do you, how are you guys approaching inflation, and how do you work with your customers, Tom, to sort of address this unprecedented level of, um, of elevated uh, inflation growth? Yeah, it's a great question because there are a couple different dimensions to it. Um, you know, one of the key drivers to inflation has been fuel and parcel more so than any other mode has seen dramatic price increases attributable to fuel. Um, so what we've seen is the fuel surcharges and parcels in parcel have continued to rise. Um, the express parcel fuel surcharge, so for next day and second day air, is actually triple what it was last year at this time, and it's double for ground. Now, those are off of admittedly higher fuel prices, um, so the 125% the year-over-year increase in express is only off of a 47% increase in cost. Okay. Now, the 69% year-over-year in ground is only over a 35% increase in cost, which is where you get to that double and triple that I mentioned a minute ago. So, so to come back to your question on inflation, one of the key drivers is fuel. One of the things that that will do is present two challenges. One is it will create some demand destruction as people are ordering less and less and those fuel prices are digging into their discretionary income that they can go out as right. a consumer and spend. Yep. Number two is it will make their, their spending more expensive on a relative basis. You know, that shirt that you may have bought off of an e-commerce provider a year ago might've had, you know, $1.99 or free shipping, but now all of a sudden there's an additional charge baked into either the purchase price or the transportation charges, further dampening the demand. Okay. Now, the other side of that is that carriers have gotten absolutely expert in how they hide those price increases. They're <laughs> no really, question. really good at blaming it on everything but them. You know, it used <laughs> to just be, it was line haul. Uh, you know, Jeff, you and I have been around long enough to remember when a, an increase was all buried into line haul. But now yep. what we're finding is these carriers are so sophisticated that they'll bury it into accessorials. They'll bury it into fuel. And that has created a real dramatic increase in customers coming to us and looking to understand these sophisticated pricing models and find ways to mitigate some of those price increases, whether it's by modal shift, whether it's by superior carrier network optimization or superior rate optimization. Yeah, absolutely. And just to go back at what you mentioned about, uh, you know, how they would get the charges would get buried in line hall. It seems like the uh, the 21st century version of that, maybe the term yield management comes to mind. 
um, or, rev- or revenue discipline. E- either way, uh, you know, it, the carrier, the, the, the providers or carriers in, in some instances that have that pricing power seemingly are still able to exercise it. Are you seeing that? Without a doubt. And we're yeah. seeing it during the earnings season. Uh, you know, you wrote a piece the other day about uh, one of the uh, the large parcel carriers and, and some of their uh, net revenue gains despite volume decreases. So what they're doing is they're using that those those assorals fuel in particular as uh, as a lever. Yes. Yeah. No. There's there's no question about it. I mean, the good news about when we talk about fuel, Tom, I, I you know because I look at the EI the Energy in, Information Administration uh, their weekly uh, national diesel averages. While the, while on balance those numbers still look high. I believe over the last five or six weeks, uh, the average price per gallon of diesel has fallen something like a cumulative 67 or 68 cents. And that, that's, that's got to be good news, regardless of what size, side of the shipper carrier fence you are on. I mean, now who knows what's going to happen uh, in the coming months. There's already word that fuel prices may head up back again in the fall when some new uh, sanctions on Russia kick in, I believe. But, you know, for the time being, uh, it's it's some good relief. Um, you know, I, I, I guess where does that leave thing? I mean, while while it's good to have that relief now, um, what can shippers do to in order to sort of prepare for the ongoing the expected ongoing volatility, especially should prices uh, recover all these losses, uh, you know, come later to summer and into the fall? Yeah, I think there's there's really three things that shippers can and should do. Um, one is try to lock into some consistent set of carriers, network, and rates um, so that you really get more predictability in these volatile times. Yeah. Um, the, you know, most, most CFOs understand that there's a lot of volatility. They don't like it. They don't appreciate it, but they will understand. And the more that you as a supply chain professional can do to offset that variability, um, the more beneficial it is for your companies. Number two is working with a non-asset based, but also non-asset biased. 3PL is really important uh, because when a non-asset-based 3PL brings you a solution in a non-asset-biased fashion, mm-hmm. it ensures that you're really getting the best-of-breed solutions. It really ensures that you know they're not coming to you and saying, you, you've got to fill our trucks first. And then lastly is making sure that you're looking at modal shift. You know, If it's moving from truckload into intermodal, if it's moving from intermodal into truckload, if it's moving from truckload to multi-stop truckload, if it's moving from multi-stop truckload into LTL, just ensuring that you've got that fluidity in your network and you've got that network design, somebody in your corner so that you can really start to look at the analytics that drive those fact-based decisions is powerful when you're heading into such volatility like we've had really in the last 18 months. But yeah, and I don't think it's going to get any less volatile over the next 18 months. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to follow. And Tom, I meant to uh, bring this up earlier in our conversation, but for those in our audience that are not familiar with the AFS Cowan Freight Index, can you sort of give them uh, just an overview on a top level uh, 
about the report, what it is, what it does, what the objectives are, um, and, and stuff like that? Absolutely. So the, the Cowan and AFS Freight Index is a collaboration that we've had going on with Cowan, one of uh, Wall Street's preeminent uh, firms for the past, well, many, many years now. And our collaboration with them dates back a year. What we do is we take our $11 billion of freight across all modes. We use our data scientists. Uh, we apply machine learning and AI to the pricing that we see resonant in all of our customers. And we take that and extrapolate it out based on market conditions, based on seasonality, and based on the trends that we've seen exhibited in the prior quarter. And we will predict out the next anywhere from 12 to 13 weeks worth of freight pricing for the upcoming quarter. Um, and that, that is available to any Cowan client uh, free of charge or to any AFS client free of charge as well. Um, and if people are interested, they can either go to AFS.net uh, and register for it or contact any of our team. And we will be glad to get you onto that mailing list because it really does give a, a transportation professional a forward looking view into their world and give you a little bit of window as to where things are going and why you're seeing such tremendous variability in your freight spend from any given month. Okay. All right. Great. Great. Yeah. And um, we covered that report um, uh, on a quarterly basis uh, here at Logistics Management. So um, for those of you uh, listening in, pl please be sure to check that out on our, on our website. Um, Tom, a few more minutes here. Uh, I know before we started recording, we briefly discussed uh, the labor number for July, which came out in terms of new jobs added, it came in at 528,000, which is um, huge considering uh, the expectations for it were some, somewhere around 25 to 50,000, I believe I read. Um, you know, obviously one month doesn't make a trend, but it is still a very uh, positive, encouraging number. Um, how do you sort of view, with that as a backdrop, how do you sort of view the labor outlook, the labor situation? As it relates to um, our industries, um, obviously the driver, the, the call for more drivers is uh, is a constant. Um, we're seeing uh, some some West Coast port labor talks go on. It'll be interesting to see how that follows. It's kind of separate but related, I guess. But just on balance, when you when when you look at labor within our sectors, what are you seeing or what are you thinking about? Well, I'll take that in a couple of different buckets. Uh, I mean, first off, in, as an overarching commentary on the labor market, you know, we are, for all practical purposes, at what would have been considered full employment historically. So to see such large numbers coming back into the marketplace is really encouraging. Um, yeah. It's showing much more active participation in the U.S. labor force, and that's very, very promising for us in terms of both productivity and some relief from what we've seen so far. Yeah. Now, the truckload sector has always been plagued by a driver shortage. Um, the wage situation has certainly improved in the last few years. Drivers are finally getting paid closer to what they deserve to be paid. Um, but that comes at a cost for shippers. Um, that's a very real cost. Your labor is typically your number one uh, cost factor in a truckload operation. And uh, when when those are going up at the rates that they've gone up, the pass through on that to the consumer is substantial. 
I would yeah. say that you're going to see similar issues in warehouses. Uh, I was looking at a, a piece the other day that cited LA area, LA Long Beach area uh, warehouse vacancies at less than 1%. Um, and what it takes for those until we get to a point where there is enough warehouse automation um, is more and more bodies to move those packages, whether they're e-commerce, whether they're LTL shipments, whether they're truckload shipments. Those bodies are scarce and they are getting more expensive. And yeah. it's really promising to see some people coming back into the labor force and the, and the numbers growing as quickly as they have. Um, but again, hard to draw a trend through that other than just to say that we've seen continued cost pressure um, as demand has outstripped supply. Okay. And yeah. then in our world, um, because we are non-asset based and non-asset biased, it, we get to be more fluid. We get to respond when, when any given carrier is short on labor or when a given warehouse is constrained in their flow through. We are able to quickly respond to that, but we're not immune to it. Uh, the reality is that, uh, you know, we need people. And those people have been harder and more expensive to come by in the past 24 to 36 months. And, uh, and we're feeling it just like everybody else is um, and doing our best to pass some of that through to our customers in the form of, uh, of a price increase. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So, Tom, we're we're uh, we're almost done. I just had one more quick question for you. I just just had to uh, relate to inventory management, and and I, I just think it's interesting because you're seeing a lot of uh, you know a lot of action within sort of the inventory to sales ratio. It's been at elevated numbers. Inventories, especially for some of the larger retailers, still remain quite high. And uh, as we're heading into peak, as we're heading into the holiday rush. What does that mean from sort of a logistics operations perspective as you see it? Um, it, it? It obviously leads to a ton of discounting and getting the need to clear out space to get this year's stuff in, et cetera. It, it, in terms of the just how much of a logistical headache that type of thing can create, what, what are some of the things that shippers uh, sh should be focusing on, in your opinion, as it relates to that sort of that aspect of inventory management? Yeah, there's there's actually two really interesting answers to to that question, Jeff, and I, uh, I'm glad you asked it because there are things that I think most people don't contemplate often. Number one is you know we all got um, basically caught flat-footed uh, by our practice as an industry historically of trying to drive inventory down to the absolute lowest possible practicable level, and then the pandemic hit. And when it did, everybody was like, I don't have any inventory. We all remember the toilet paper shortages, obviously. Yeah, of course. Yep. Yeah, that was horrible. So now what you've seen is you've seen this bloat, this glut of inventory coming into the system, but a tamping down of demand because of inflation and a rising of interest rates, which means your inventory carrying costs are going way up. So we've seen a lot of increase in our demand. We have, we have a, a, a basically a 4PL product where okay. we will own the inventory for our customers and we will then release it, which takes that burden of inventory carrying costs off of their balance sheet. Um, and we've seen a real surge in demand for that service. 
Okay. Now the the other really interesting side of this inventory to sales ratio that you mentioned, and this is something that very few people have contemplated, is when you watch the inventory to sales ratio go down, what you see is an inverse correlation to premium carriers. So the carriers are delivering the absolute fastest, and therefore they are your buffer to the fact that you don't have inventory in the system, do mm -hmm. really well in those markets. Right now, because inventory is building, it will allow customers to shift to lower cost carriers. So maybe you used an LTL carrier that used to be able to go from point A to point B in two days. Well, now you're pretty okay if it's four days because you know that's an inventory on wheels, so to speak. It's off of your dock, it's probably off of your books, and the fact that you were able to save a few dollars in transportation while also lightening up your warehouse is a real benefit. So there's this inverse relationship between inventory to sales ratio and the use of premium carriers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, there's, it's, um, it's definitely an, an sort of an interesting scenario. So it's going to be, uh, be interesting to see how it all works out this year because, uh, you know, amid the, the inflation, and everything else, uh, consumers are still spending, as we see in those retail sales uh, numbers data from uh, the National Retail Federa Federation and the uh, United States Department of Commerce. Um, so listen, Tom, we're at the end of our, our allotted time for today's podcast. So on behalf of Logistics Management Magazine and also the Peerless Media Supply Chain Group, I'd like to offer up again a big thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Jeff. Thank you for what you do. We certainly appreciate it as an industry, and I'm happy to contribute. Yeah, likewise. And I would look forward to getting you on again in the future. Um, and for those of you listening, if you're not already uh, subscribing to our podcast, please go ahead and do so wherever you get your podcast. Just simply go look for the Supply Chain 24-7 podcast. And for those of you on Twitter, please feel free to give us a follow simply at LogisticsMGMT. Thank you, everyone. And uh, have a great day. And we'll catch you next time.